Welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. On this election eve, November 5th, 2018, we'll be speaking with Gloria Matera. Gloria is a longtime social change advocate who's done radical left politics, both as a socialist and as a Green Party organizer. She's currently the co-chair of the Green Party of the United States and co-chair of the Green Party of New York State. Uh, she is a longtime personal friend of mine, somebody I consider a dear friend, colleague, and a mentor because of how much work that she's been doing. So I'm very excited to be having this conversation. Gloria Matera, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Thank you, David. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, hi to everyone. It's always exciting. Um, election Eve. I know that there are a lot of Greens out there that are still phone banking, door knocking, uh, sending out emails, crunching numbers. Um, this is just a big time for us and brings up a lot of different feelings. But I'm, I'm glad to take this time to spend with you for a little while and talk. Fantastic. So, folks, I want to remind you that here on A Green Way Forward, we're building an audience, getting larger, stronger, and better organized every week. Uh, if you'd like to be on the mailing list to find out about our upcoming guests and the specials and the different things that we do, go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, and sign up. And of course, if you're watching live on the Facebook live stream, please do share this immediately on your own page or any page that you manage, because we are actually building an audience that's getting bigger every week. Uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, uh, thank you for that. And please make sure to share the podcast uh, with people on your own social media and emails. Lastly, a reminder that if you are watching on Facebook, you can make it any comments or questions in the comment section, producer Dave Schwab will be capturing those, sending them to me, and I'll make sure to ask uh, those to Gloria Matera so she can respond to those as well. And Gloria, I want to jump right in to the issue of what are the races that the Green Party ought to be looking to in this historic 2018 midterm election? There are a lot of exciting Candidates. I um, think we've talked before on your show uh, about uh, the three candidates in California: um, uh, Rodolfo Cortez, uh, Kenneth Mahia, and Laura Wells. Um, all passing that uh, kind of top two, uh, a way that really was a uh, an attempt to reduce the amount of independent candidates, um, but they were successful in that. So they are important candidates to watch. And they're uh, particularly Rodolfo and Kenneth. Uh, they're young. They're organizing in their areas. They have some great ideas and bringing some really new excitement into the Green Party. Uh, another important uh, election uh, during this cycle are states that are looking. So, Lori, before you, I do want to go to those others. But to viewers uh, and listeners of A Green Way Forward, I don't want to go past the idea that Laura Wells and Rodolfo Cortez Berrigan and Kenneth Mejia, by beating the top two uh, primary, means that they came in either first or second in the primary election, which means that these are elections where there is no spoiler impact whatsoever. You have a Democrat versus a Green no Republican in the race. So these are races where we're expecting to do very well. And as, Laura, as uh, Gloria said, uh, Rodolfo and Kenneth have been really doing a new type of organizing, which is really 
on the street social change, not just door knocking, not just uh, phone banking, uh, not just social media, but literally going into Skid Row uh, and passing out deodorant and food as part of their electoral campaigning. So super exciting races to watch. Right. And yeah, very much in the, in the way we remember, some of us remember the Panthers and the Young Lords getting into the communities and doing the kind of both concrete services, but talking, doing political education and about why the conditions are the way they are. And, and just to kind of wrap up on those three candidates, uh, you know, when you read about top two, you will often know that how it ended up is sometimes you'll have two Democrats, sometimes you'll have two Republicans uh, in that kind of a system. So I think these three Greens have broken some barriers that are really very important. Thank you so much for that. And you were actually moving us into some of the other statewide races of note. Well, thinking, uh, you know, of course, what uh, is important for the Green Party is our ballot status uh, all over the country. Every state has another way uh, that you can maintain your ballot status. Often there's a very high bar for smaller parties. The two corporate parties seem to be able uh, to have that without too much work. And so uh, in Ohio, we have... Um, uh, the governor's race, they need to get a certain amount of uh, votes to keep their ballot line. Uh, that's so let me just, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Constance Goodell uh, Newton, and she is the governor's candidate there, along with some other candidates in Ohio. Um, I got to put, a I also want to just shout out that Constance Goodell Newton is another young Green Party candidate who, as a lawyer, has a long history of doing social change litigation, uh, work for racial justice, uh, peace, uh, and environmental causes. So Constance, as a longtime Green, is somebody that I know personally and consider a friend, but she's also a different kind of candidate because as a lawyer, she's been a people's lawyer, uh, and it really is the kind of candidate that I love to lift up. I, yes, I, I think that's great. And I think what we're, we're hearing about each of these candidates are candidates, you know, deeply involved, uh, in social justice, in social movements, uh, coming out of the movement, even though they are also Green Party members and have been working in the party to strengthen the party in their state and for some of them even, uh, nationally. And so when we're talking about ballot status, I have to shout out my own state, New York, um, where Howie Hawkins, not so young as the other candidates, but a long history um, in activism um, against nuclear power, against the war, um, a teamster, a labor person um, who's run for office a number of times and really helped us get our ballot status back and retain it. He's running for governor. Um, along with Gia Lee, um, a radical public school teacher who is not only um, a proponent of opt-out and talks about that around the country, but herself and is an opt-out parent herself uh, with, in terms of her son's schooling. And I understand has status of conscientious objector and does not have to administer standardized tests. So that's, uh, I don't know how she accomplished that, but she's really amazing. And so that's a, that's a, an election very important to us. We must get at least 50,000 votes, uh, to continue our ballot line in New York. And we've been strong in running candidates and maintaining that ballot line. And so, um, we're hoping for a good showing again tomorrow. Before we leave New York, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell us about the shameful, cowardly maneuver 
uh, that Democrat uh, gubernatorial candidate Cuomo engaged in during those debates? Well, this is the first time uh, in the uh, two two elections how he has run for governor that there were no televised debates with all the candidates. Uh, Cuomo basically refused to debate. Uh, he had, in the end, one debate with the Republican candidate um, and did not involve any of the other candidates. And we did, you know, the League of Women Voters, I want to lift them up because they have tried to maintain the integrity of fair and inclusive debates. Uh, and we can talk about that at some point, or even around the presidential uh, debates when they were doing that and then lost that ability or gave up that ability. And so they were not happy about uh, the gubernatorial debate, only having their Democrat and Republicans. So they organized a debate with all the candidates. It was just this past Thursday. Um, it was not televised by any media outlets. As we know, media often gives the green out effect to us. But it was live streamed on their page. Uh, and Cuomo didn't come. Um, wow. Did not. I mean, I just want to say it again. The League of Women Voters organized a gubernatorial debate in New York State, uh, the second most populous state in this country, uh, one of the, the clearly the the one of the most important states for uh, elections, and Cuomo, the Democrat, refused to participate. Yes, he refused to participate, and even in the debate he participated in, it's has continued his level of arrogance, um, you know, demeaning comments. Uh, you know, we really called him out. Uh, we had the Cuomo chicken out there uh, in Long Island. I saw some of that on social media. That was yeah. a good move. It looked Absolutely. good. Absolutely. And um, But it, I think it was a spirited debate. The Republican did attend along with the two other candidates, the Libertarian um, and then a candidate who's, who's running independently uh, and along with Howie. And we're really appreciative of the League of Women Voters. But, you know, we've talked many times about the fact that we need open uh, inclusive uh, debates. And so that's, uh, I think, a tenant of the Green Party, just like the electoral integrity work that we do, it fits right in there. It surely does. And I'm glad you lifted up the League of Women Voters and a reminder to viewers of the Green Way Forward that the League of Women Voters once sponsored the presidential debates that we're all familiar with. But because they had the audacity to allow Ross Perot to participate, uh, the Democratic and Republican Party leadership literally conspired to take the debates away from the League of Women Voters and create a complete farce called the Commission on Presidential Debates uh, that was uh, completely controlled by the Republican and Democratic National Committees. Oh, and get this, it was so bad that the League of Women Voters actually put out press releases that said they would not participate on this, quote, sham on the American people, end quote. Uh, and the Commission on Presidential Debates basically dismissed the League of Women Voters. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it is important. These these actually are stories, uh, historical moments that when I talk to people that are, you know, not Greens or, or the kind of what we might call the, the political wonks, um, that we, sorry, I can't seem to stop that phone. Um, <laughs> that we can, um, if people are surprised to hear that, they say, oh, really? Uh, and that story about the presidential debates, same thing. I think that uh, they really help show why election integrity 
independence uh, from uh, corporate money means, you know, independence in terms of voters being able to put someone in office that is really speaking, you know, for the people, talking with the people. And I think that's what the Green Party and our candidates are about. Folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Gloria Matera, longtime Green Party activist who is also the co-chair of the Green Party of the United States. We're talking on election eve about some of the exciting green races going on around the country. A reminder, if you'd like to join the conversation and are actually watching live on Facebook at this moment, you can actually make a comment or ask a question in the comment section. Producer Dave Schwab will capture some of those uh, and forward them to it. And I do know that George, George Moser writes in Paul Glover for Pennsylvania governor. That's another race that we haven't talked about yet. That's a pretty exciting one. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Paul's wonderful. Um, and so, I, you know, there's several good candidates coming out of Pennsylvania. I think Paul really uh, stands out as someone who's been a Green a long time and has really great positions. Uh, there's so many great candidates. And so I think if people want to see that full list, uh, gp.org is the place to go and you'll see all the candidates. Maryland is running 24 candidates. Uh, there's a fabulous group picture of them. Um, I think, you know, the states are really stepping up and doing well. Um, you know, Aaron Camacho, uh, in Wisconsin, there's just, um, I, I feel, I wish I should name them all, but there are so many, but I please go to gp.org and take a look. And if you're watching and you're not sure if there's a green running in your state, that's the best place to see it. Thank you so much. You know, Chanel Pittman writes in to say, yeah, the League of Women Voters tried to host a debate for Kenneth Mejia, which is in Southern California, a congressional race. But get this, his opponent refused to show. So it was canceled. She also reminds us of a local candidate that we're watching very closely here in California, and that's Aiden Hill, who's running for Berkeley City Council in District 7. So thank you, Chanel, for those. Pete Sounds writes in to say, yeah, isn't it great that Democratic candidates promise to work with Republicans? I suspect that's a rhetorical question. But, (laughs) Gloria, what does it actually tell us that Democrats will try to kill the Green Party, but instead try to work with Republicans? What does that tell us about the two-party system? Well, we have often said, you know, kind of two sides of this of the same coin, right? And I don't want to go into kind of the simplistic, oh, they're just the same, because there are things that we can point out about kind of the evils of both. And I think our former presidential candidate, Dr. Jill Stein, did a very good job about talking about with the evils of the Republican candidate and the evil of the Democratic Party candidate. I here in New York, I you can almost see the way the state legislature works to keep things uh, in, a, in a static way. Um, and then occasionally, and I think we also see this in Congress too, where that one or two Democrat, would, they know that the Republican policy or candidate for something is going to pass, they'll say, I'm not going to vote again. I'm, I'm going to vote no. Um, it's, it really seems like there is a plan that, supersedes the importance of democracy, 
with a small d importance of people uh, and the planet and, you know, the social justice issues. It is about maintaining the status quo about greed and corporate influence. And that's the only way the capitalist system is going to work if they keep working in tandem like that. And that's what we want to fight against. And I really appreciate you, Gloria, actually naming the fact that both of those two parties are basically in agreement around a neoliberal corporate capitalist agenda. They are basically in agreement on a foreign policy based on murdering uh, other people to steal their resources, uh, especially in the global south. It is actually a, they're both parties of empire and they're both parties of capitalism. Before we shift, I do want to just say we've gotten a ton of love. Uh, Roseanne, uh, writes in to say voting green in Pennsylvania tomorrow. Uh, Kim Greger writes in, hi, everybody. So excited to vote for a green governor in Ohio. So some love for Constance. Uh, Layla Dawn writes in, very excited about Joe Crane for Missouri Senate. There are lots more that we can't get to, but it's really exciting to see so much participation from folks here on a green way forward. It does give me an opportunity to remind you that if you're watching this, I urge you, I, 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 I challenge you, I plead with you, share this stream on your own page or any page you manage so that we can continue to break through the corporate algorithm of Facebook. And I'm always reminded of the words of Gil Scott Heron, the revolution will not be televised. But David Cobb says, but it can be brought to you through sources of non-corporately filtered news, information and analysis. And yes, I do understand the incredible irony of saying that on a corporate platform like Facebook. But remember, we have to use every tool available to us. Uh, and I think that we're doing that. You know, Amir writes in with a good question that I think actually sets us up uh, for our next topic. Amir writes to say, why don't the Greens become socialists? Gloria Matera, how would you respond to Amir? Well, the Greens, many Greens are socialists. I'm a socialist. Uh, David is that he's socialist. We often have been saying we're eco-socialists because I think we're looking forward to what it means to be a socialist uh, in this time, in this time of climate crisis, uh, of you know, some of the things that are not happening around around the world in terms of not the environment and social justice issues. Um, you know, why doesn't the Green Party say they're socialists? That may be, that's kind of a different question. I think there are many socialists in the Green Party. Um, we do call ourselves an eco-socialist party. We've talked before about the, the platform that raises that up. Um, I think that there continues to be um, uh, an alliance between what we'll call red greens um, or socialist groups, socialist organizations, independent socialists. I think many of the groups I know that are kind of um, more organized socialist groups, many of them are uh, enrolled greens, certainly here in New York that I know about. And I think that this is a relationship, uh, an alliance that we need to continue to strengthen. There are candidates around the country now that are saying uh, they're openly socialists running on the Green Party line um, for a long time. Many of us have been having those conversations about what it would really mean. Uh, I know there's been lots of uh, ways of working with Democratic Socialists of America and, and other groups around the country. I think that's different in every city, in every state. Uh, but I think that in terms of individual Greens, you will find many of them 
uh, consider themselves socialists or eco-socialists. And I want to just say out there to my green brothers and sisters, uh, whether you're deep green or deep red or, you know, kind of those colors in between, uh, that we are a party that accepts all of that and believes in having a dialogue and believes in finding a way to have these conversations. Because when you look concretely about what it means to have a socialist society, I don't think that there's really any debate or disagreement about how, you know, what that really means and how we need to get there. Thank you so much, Gloria. As always, I am impressed by your ability to articulate the Green Party position, philosophy, and platform in plain common sense language. I'll also take a crack at Amir's question slash comment and say, I, like Gloria Matera, am a proud socialist. I don't make any bones about it. I'm also a longtime Green Party member, have been since the late 1990s, uh, helped to form the Green Party of Texas, uh, helped to actually drafted the legal framework to make the Green Party recognized by the Federal Election Commission. But I am a red-green, which is to say I believe in the tenets of socialism, which is about democracy at its core and specifically economic democracy, but I also believe in the deep green understanding of interconnectedness that's really remembering how human beings, all human beings once lived on planet Earth in relationship in bioregions uh, and in relationship with other species in a proper balance. So for me, the red-green coalition or the red-green uh, alliance that Gloria is talking about is the best of socialism, the best of uh, Green Party philosophy and merge them together. Because I'll tell you from my perspective, I don't know how you can't be uh, a, a proponent of economic democracy or socialism and be a Green Party member. But I do respect that some folks still seem to suffer from some of the old McCarthyism and the, the word seems to scare them off. But at the end of the day, it just means economic democracy. So uh, Amir, from my perspective, uh, uh, the Green Party is a place where serious socialists are not only welcome, but in leadership. Uh, I do want to actually hit a couple of the others. So thank you all for the great comments and questions coming in. I'm going to rapid fire some of these uh, at you, Gloria. Geronimo, Indiana, writes in to say, so many people don't understand that the 1% control both the Democratic and Republican parties. How would you comment to Geronimo? Yes, I think it is hard to understand for some people because, of the, you know, the, the veneer of uh, the Democrats and talking about social issues uh, and, you know, not that those issues are not important, but I think that they isolate them. And so while a Democrat, the Democratic Party may be saying, of course, we are the party that stand for women's right to choose um, and, you know, kind of against racism. When you look at their policies, and that's what I think we want to show people, is the decision-making and where they really put their efforts tend to be towards the corporate agenda. And when that happens, they cannot sincerely, as a party, as this party machine, uh, really be looking out for women's right to choose or immigrants' rights uh, or the rights of black and brown people. Uh, an individual Democrat may speak to that, but I think what we have to do is dig deep and find ways to talk to people, those of us who are green and green activists, green, green you know, advocates for social justice, what's underneath 
um, going on in the Democratic Party connected in the Republican Party. And as we said before, if you look at empire, if you look at corporate greed, you will see that they are really joined in that agenda. Kevin Matsanka wrote in to say, I voted for Jill in the elections of 2016, but I'm not sure who I'm voting for tomorrow. How would you respond to Kevin? Uh, well, I don't know where you are, Kevin, um, but if you're trying to decide between a Green Party candidate um, and Democratic Party candidate, you know, that's different in all places. I would say, as we always say in the Green Party, vote for what you want, vote for your vision, vote what's important to you, because that, I think, uh, is how we continue to build this movement, um, how we show uh, independence in, in the, the ballot box. Uh, which is also financial independence from corporations. Uh, I have always voted green. I do not vote Democrat. Uh, and I walk away from my ballot feeling good about that. Leon Jericho writes in to ask, can you comment why there wasn't a green available to vote for in the state of Texas? Well, I don't think I can actually uh, comment directly about Texas. Um, I don't know. If so let me. As there. A, I'm going to go to David. Who, yeah, uh, as, a, as, a, as a former Texan who still <laughs> I'm proud to be from Texas, uh, although I currently live in California. Uh, but I was a co-founder of the Green Party of Texas uh, and uh, did Green Party and social change organizing for many years there. I can tell you the short answer is because Texas has one of the hardest ballot access states there are five states that ballot access uh, uh, advocates called the grizzly bear states. Texas is one of them. Uh, actually, I guess there's four now because North Carolina fell off that list thanks to the good work of North Carolina Greens and Libertarians uh, who fought to change that system. But the bottom line is it takes uh, 5% of the vote for a statewide office to retain uh, a ballot line, uh, and you have to get 1% uh, of all the votes cast for governor on a petition to even get on the ballot. And that can be 40, 50, 75,000 signatures. Oh, and get this. You have to collect those signatures in a 75 day window from voters who are already registered to vote, but who did not vote in either the Democratic or the Republican Party primary. So Texas has one of the hardest uh, mechanisms and schemes uh, to get on the ballot in any state and has one of the hardest uh, retention rates. And let me tell you this, Gloria, this is interesting. You know the reason for that? Because La Raza Unida actually broke through and was electing people to office at the local level down in South Texas, uh, Latinos who were actually uh, uh, organizing against the corrupt Democratic Party uh, machinery uh, were winning offices and were really making great strides. And the uh, Democratic Party, who controlled the state at that time, changed the ballot access laws. So it was a very clear combination of corporate capitalist rule and thinly veiled racism uh, that resulted in ballot access laws that make it very difficult to get on the ballot in Texas. So, uh, Leanne, that's the reason that uh, there's not a green available uh, in Texas. But I do want to give a shout out to those Greens in Texas who have in the past done the work of getting on the ballot, who made an effort this time, but just wasn't able to do so. I do want to make sure that we go to Walter Magnuson, who says, never, ever forget what the Democratic Party did to Ralph Nader in 2000 and what they did to Dr. Jill Stein at the Hofstra, Hofstra debate. Go Green. 
Gloria? Uh, well, thank you very much for saying that because that is, and I also want to thank you, David, for the story about Texas. And that's really also an important piece of our, of our history. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. There are a lot of things we can say, just remember what the Democratic Party did. And those are two. And thank you for saying that. Uh, there are many more. Some of it is particularly against Greens, but a lot of it is also against independent political um, action in general and also against social movements. So well said. I mean, the reality is that the Democratic Party leadership is uh, some of the most undemocratic people that I've ever met. And I actually like to remind people don't waste your vote on corporate capitalist empire. Invest your vote in movements. Uh, Muru Elu writes in to say, what are we doing in Maine to take advantage of ranked choice voting? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there are candidates running in, in Maine. Uh, can't name them for you right now, but... Um, you know, I, it'd be interesting to see how that works because they are running this kind of a slate of candidates and with ranked choice voting there and the fact that the Greens were very uh, prominent in doing that and holding the line while the, because the Democrats wanted to get rid of that. Um, as we know, I think another indication of how the Democratic Party goes after Greens more than we have to say the Republican Party who kind of is insular and kind of stays the course in, in terms of what, what they believe in. Pete writes in with this observation. The 1% control the major media. That's why people can't see what's happening. Gloria, what are your thoughts? Uh, yes, that is true. And we see that even around our candidates. Uh, we talked about the debates. Um, very difficult to get media attention. But I think, uh, as David pointed out, just with this show and the sharing, I think social media is becoming more powerful we know that uh, the the you know the corporations behind that are still trying to crack down. Uh, people have a lot of reports about what's happening on their their Facebook and their social media. But I think that this is really what the wave of the future in communicating is going to be. That we continue to push back about that. What we talk about here, our governor's candidate Howie Hawkins, is you know public broadband. This is something that everybody should have for free. This is not something that really costs a lot of money or should be, people should be charged for. But we know that that is another way to try and squelch the organizing that can go on. But we saw this organizing Arab Spring, uh, Occupy. Um, we will continue to have those movements and I hope stronger and, and wider. Robert Austin writes in to say a national televised debate with Greens included would be a great start come 2020. Absolutely, absolutely would. I think that the public seeing uh, our Green Party candidate being able to debate on the stage, um, I am confident that America would have been just um, just awed by Ralph Nader in 2000. Um, I think the same thing about Dr. Jill Stein and the debates that she has been in. Uh, what can we say except we need to continue fighting for that now? It's not that far away. And so we need to think about how we organize uh, with also good government groups. Um, and, you know, League of Women Voters has chapters all over the country. So depending on what state you're in, what city you're in, I'd suggest uh, if you're, you know, if you're a Green Party member uh, and you're in worried about this or you're concerned about trying to do this, I say connect with League of Women Voters and see how we can start building those relationships. 
So we got time for two more questions, and then I want to uh, uh, shift very quickly. John Mason writes in to say, I'll never forget or forgive what they did to our candidate here in Arizona. Uh, are we talking, uh, can we speak specifically what, the, right now, this election? Uh, yes, I'm sure that's what it is. Okay. Uh, specifically, uh, throwing Eva Geary uh, off the ballot, the indigenous woman running for Senate in uh, Arizona. That's what I assume John yes. is talking about. Okay. Right. Because there's a there's a there's continued, uh, you know, kind of intrigue going on in Arizona right now. And so I wanted to kind of clarify what that was. Yes. I mean, throwing candidates off the ballot. Um, I guess what I want to say more in general, um, because it's there are a couple of things happening around the country right now in terms of Green Party candidates we need to be concerned about. And when people are telling you you're throwing away your vote, the Green Party's inconsequential, you haven't won that many offices. Uh, I don't I think people are scared. The, the empire is scared. The Democrats in our in some of our states are scared because if we really get to the people, if we continue to push forward, we elect candidates that basically pulls the curtain away from their faux progressiveness. And so they need that's their cover. Right. If they get rid of us. If they throw our candidates off the ballot, if they have these draconian election laws, if they smear our candidates, um, as this is going on even right now, it is because the Green Party is showing the Democratic Party as you know, an institution is corrupt, it's corporate, um, it is not for the people in the way that they have pretended that they will be in terms of like we are the progressives. We are the true progressives, the true radicals. And I think that the Democratic Party is worried that more and more people are seeing that. So this is the last uh, comment or question we'll be able to take before we shift gears. Antoinette Ali writes in to ask, how many Green Party people are there in Georgia? I am sorry. I don't I don't think I can give you that exact number. I can look into that and send that on. David, any thoughts uh, back yeah. to the campaign? Uh- like Gloria, I don't have that number at my fingertips. And that's because remember that there are actually 50 different state election code laws, 50 different state program, uh, protocols, whether you can register green, whether you enroll green. Some states don't even let you do that. So the Green Party has to keep up with its own membership. And then each state has to figure out how to do that alone. What I can tell you is this. If you go to the website, gp.org, click through to Georgia, you'll be able to get in touch quite easily with Green Party organizers in that state. Uh, Georgia is one of the so-called grizzly bear ballot access states. It's incredibly hard to get on the ballot there, uh, but Greens do run for office, especially at the local level, and win uh, in Georgia as we win in multiple places. There are hundreds of Greens serving in office all across the country, and I believe that Georgia has had elected Greens in the past. Gloria, Before we have your final thoughts, I want to just touch on this. I have, I believe that we are seeing explicit fascism actually emerge and take control of the state. And I believe that the Green Party is the last best electoral hope against fascism in this country. So I want to ask you, do you think that's right? Do you think I'm being alarmist? How would you respond to me or anybody else who made such a statement? I sadly have to say I agree with you. Um, 
that we do need to sound this alarm. I mean, look at, you know, just, you know, recent incidents, um, uh, you know, the synagogue shooting. I want to remind people that uh, it is just the year anniversary of the um, shooting in the black church uh, in, uh, in Texas, uh, where uh, it was another, you know, hate crime. Uh, so that is, it's happening more and more. Well, we saw our own presidential candidate, Jill Stein, targeted recently, along with other Democrats in this pipe bomb uh, mailing situation. And I think that we're seeing this kind of locally, too, and people showing up uh, individually at, at rallies or, you know, kind of putting fear uh, in terms of the immigrants, uh, the you know, being fueled by the president, the caravan uh, coming from, you know, from Mexico, from Guatemala. And I think that the Green Party has been speaking up. The candidates are talking about that. We're putting statements out about that. I think you look at the Green Party program and you can see that we are going to push back against that. And it's not going to be about electing a weak, uh, flip-flopping Democrats that are going to stop this. In fact, it is that constant capitulation and that fooling voters that they are standing up for social justice that I believe um, is a big factor about where we are right now. Gloria, our time has just flown by. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the program and give you an opportunity for any final thoughts. Uh, loved having this conversation with you uh, and the viewers as always. I want to remind people, uh, please go to gp.org and see if there are Green Party candidates in your state. Uh, and if they're not, definitely vote for them and support them. But if not, think about supporting the Green Party. Think about becoming a Green Party member if you can in your state. Think about becoming a supporter of the party because I think that we are going to see that independent political candidates and those elected to office uh, on that movement is what's really going to turn away from what we are feeling is a, a, a you know, a, a fascist uh, situation in this country. And I want to wish all the Green Party candidates out there and their campaign teams the best of luck. Thank you, Gloria Matera, for joining us here on A Green Way Forward. I also want to thank Dave Schwab for serving as a producer on this show. And, uh, and most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer, listener. This audience continues to grow. The movement continues to grow because of you and what you do. A reminder to keep on keeping on. Never stop. Peace. A Greenway Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.